0: It's time to take an in-depth look at the gridiron. Now joining us, Pro Football Focus's lead NFL analyst, Sam Monson.
1: Here's a guy that has a deep understanding on
0: In The Zone. So excited to talk to Sam. My headphones popped off of my head. Sam, welcome to the show from PFF.com. Of course, six teams already eliminated from postseason contention here let's break it all down sam i'm uh i'm, I'm too amped up I'm ready to go How, how'd you enjoy the weekend
1: yeah it was good it was uh i think a better weekend than maybe people were expecting coming into it. a couple of the games that looked like they were going to be big mismatches because of third string quarterback second string quarterbacks ended up actually being two of the closer games and and the rest of the weekend didn't disappoint
0: so let's start with what we saw last night. Was that more of a master class by the Cowboys, who seemed to do everything right, maybe outside of kicking extra points, or a complete no-show by the Bucks on both sides? Which do you point to as the reason of what we saw last night?
1: I think it was a combination of both, but I think the bigger issue was this has been Tampa Bay all the way through the season. They have been listless, directionless, unable to function on offense, and You know, everyone has been kind of clinging to this hope or this notion that at some point, maybe they'll figure it all out because of the personnel that they have and because Tom Brady is still there. And, you know, once you get to the playoffs, that's his time to shine. But, like, this has been who they have been all season long. So I think we just saw more of the same. And then on the other side, you know, we did see Dallas actually pull itself together after hitting the skids themselves for the last few weeks.
0: The Jags had a remarkable comeback effort against the Chargers. What did you see from them that allowed them to make that comeback? Were there adjustments that they made after going down twenty-seven nothing, or was it just as simple as staying patient and, and not turning the ball over anymore?
1: Yeah, I think that was really it. It was a, a big deficit built off major mistakes, really, by Jacksonville, and you know the first or just bad luck. I mean. A, a, Pass It's tipped a couple of times at the line ends up called by the defense. is something that doesn't happen very often. Um, the second interception was kind of, uh, I mean, a pretty clear defensive penalty by Asante Samuel. They just didn't bother calling it. So all of a sudden that's a turnover as well. So really sort of weird, unusual, uh, unfortunate turnovers. Once those stopped happening. You really just needed to do what Doug Peterson said at that halftime interview and just keep chipping away at it. And, and you've got plenty of time, an entire half, to get three scores um, or you know more once, once the Chargers put up another few points. That's eminently doable in today's NFL, and I think that's really all we saw. Jacksonville pulled itself together, and then the Chargers weren't able to keep making plays on either side of the ball.
0: I think this game is really interesting. I mean, they're all great, but Jags Chiefs. You've got the class of the NFL, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid running the show over there, going up against the team in Jacksonville that feels like they got a second lease at life here after uh, that that big deficit against the Chargers. Do you give them a fighting chance against the Chiefs based on what you've seen so far?
1: I think they have a chance. I mean, you've got a guy like Trevor Lawrence who struggled a little bit in the first half, though not nearly as bad as the numbers made it suggest, but the determination, the leadership, the ability that he showed in the second half is the kind of thing you need to go toe-to-toe with it, with the likes of Patrick uh, Mahomes. And what I think was most impressive from Lawrence is that this was not just running the script that was sent into him. Like, he didn't just run the plays as Doug Peterson was sending in. That's what worked multiple times in the course of that comeback, Trevor Lawrence changed the play or changed something at the line of scrimmage, and every time he did, it worked. Whether it was short yardage, whether it was audibling into a deep shot that, that found a coverage bust, like every time he looked like he changed something up, he found something that worked and added to what was already working for Jacksonville. So I think despite struggling in the first half, this was another game to enhance the kind of current upward trajectory of Trevor Lawrence's career.
0: We're talking to Sam Monson, NFL analyst from PFF.com. What about the Giants? I was really impressed with what I saw from them, uh, specifically on offense, and the way that that was probably the best game Daniel Jones has had as a professional quarterback. I do wonder how much of that was the benefit of playing the Vikings defense that's been shredded all year. What did you see from the Giants that you may have fallen in love with last week?
1: Yeah, I think definitely a big part of it was that Minnesota defense, which has been pretty abysmal all season long, um, and absolutely made them, made the Giants look a lot better. Uh, but they played well. They took advantage of it. Daniel Jones, I think, has really hit a stride the last month or so. Maybe hasn't quite been this good all season long, but he's such a strangely unusual ru- dynamic rushing threat for that team, um, that just continues to keep catching teams by surprise, even teams that have played him multiple times before. Anytime they needed a big play, Daniel Jones was able to get it on the ground or with with his arm. Um, Had one of his most productive games as a passer. Saquon Barkley played fantastically. Uh, They're big players that they have really showed up in that game. And then the other big thing for them was on the other side of the ball, Dexter Lawrence on the interior was basically unblockable all game long. He caused that Minnesota offensive line all kinds of problems, particularly late on, he just took over. I mean, he got a ridiculous roughing the passer penalty against him, but outside of that, was getting pressure pretty much every play late in those last couple of drives, and, and that was why you know Kirk Cousins ended up throwing it three yards downfield on fourth and eight. He didn't have any time. Dexter Lawrence was in his face again.
0: How how loud should our alarm bells be when we look at the issues facing the Bengals' offensive line? Jonah Williams now down with a dislocated knee. He's week-to-week, week, as is Alex Kappa. Uh, Lyle Collins is injured as well. How big of an issue is this going to be going into Buffalo?
1: Yeah, take a pause and sort of think about that for a second. <laughs> By the way, the guy dislocated his kneecap, and they're like, eh, week-to-week, might week. <laughs> be <laughs> back next week, might be back the week after. Who knows? Crazy. Um, yeah, look, it, it's a big problem. I mean, they, they've now lost three starters in that offensive line in three consecutive weeks after overhauling the unit in the offseason because they knew it wasn't good enough and it was going to be a problem. So all of a sudden, the offensive line is starting to look a lot like it did last year when it was catastrophic. Um, but we know from last year that they are able to overcome it. I mean, they showed they got to the Super Bowl with that offensive line. They almost won it, it took Aaron Donald – doing Aaron Donald things in the final drive to just completely wreck the line and take over and essentially win the game. So it's definitely possible, but it makes everything harder. I mean, now they have to go and beat teams like Buffalo and and potentially Kansas City with an offensive line that is creaking and is starting to look like the problematic group from a year ago. And it just makes the entire job description much more difficult for Joe Burrow and everybody else involved.
0: So help me assess this, and I agree with you with uh, the the Jonah Williams. I almost had to double check my notes. It says week to week the guy dislocated his knee. Maybe give him a month off after that. But uh, comparing them to to where they're going to be going into this game against Buffalo with backup offensive linemen almost clean across the board, are they in a? It, would you say it, it's A direct comparison to where they were a year ago, or is it actually worse? Because maybe they had bad starters a year ago, but now they've got backups. They're 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 going to be filling up the line coming this weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's comparable. Um, Maybe you can sort of argue one way or the other whether it's worse or slightly better, but I think it's in the same ballpark, which is the important part. Like it, it is a. One of the worst offensive lines in the NFL on paper, um, and heading in the wrong direction with every new injury. So I think it's going to be a major issue. The one thing standing in their favor is that Buffalo's pass rush has fallen off the edge of a cliff since they lost Von Miller, and again, it's another group that's heading in the wrong direction. I mean, they haven't been able to get pressure against anybody the last couple of weeks. Didn't really affect Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins. So you know maybe they can have to break and, and that Buffalo just isn't the test that we think of them being up front. Mm.
0: Uh, let's wrap with the Cowboys and the 49ers. We saw the Cowboys, as we mentioned, look like the best versions of themselves. A lot of that's because the Bucks were just listless in that game. The 49ers are on top of things right now, a very responsible team, and Brock Purdy's playing great. Do you think the Cowboys match up well with the 49ers, or or is there a good chance that we see Dak kind of revert back to some of that bad play from the last month because of how solid that defense is?
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be a big test. I think the best version of Dallas versus this 49ers team is a very interesting game. If you don't get the best version of Dallas, then I think it might be a comfortable win for the 49ers, who do look really imposing on both sides of the ball. But Dallas definitely has the pieces to cause them problems. They've got enough playmakers on offense. They've got a reasonable offensive line, though Nick Bosa obviously will definitely test that. And then their defense has the kind of capacity to cause real problems for any offensive faces. They generate a ton of turnovers. They generate a lot of pressure. Um, We saw Micah Parsons was pretty much unblockable. I think that changes a little bit against an offense like San Francisco, versus the, the Bucks and, and what Tom Brady was trying to do. But they definitely have the capacity to cause San Francisco problems in a way Seattle couldn't really. Do you think Brady's done? Um, I think he can still play. I, I don't think that he's maybe at the level he was a couple of years ago when he can step into a team like Tampa Bay and elevate them and bring them to somewhere that they weren't going to get to without him. But I think if the right situation is there, he can still step in and be a huge upgrade for a team. Honestly, the team that keeps jumping out, is making the most sense, are the Jets. I mean, that's a playoff team without a quarterback. And Tom Brady, I think, could absolutely step in onto that roster and make them an immediate contender.
0: Sam Monson, you can find his work at PFF.com. Catch up with the PFF NFL podcast. Sam Monson, Steve Palazzolo do a great job over there breaking down all of the playoff action thanks so much sam enjoy the uh the games coming up next weekend
1: thanks guys take it easy
0: always good stuff from sam monson still to come Tazi's take and we'll hear from luke hetrick with a look at this Jaden rashada story the magic coming back home and more stick around